Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew speaks on Blessed are the Pure in Heart, preached on April 6, 1997. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, Matthew 5 and verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart. This is the sixth characteristic of a citizen of the kingdom of God. Jesus did not say, Blessed are the brilliant intellectuals. He said, Blessed are the pure in heart. If anyone understood human problem, Jesus did, and he alone did. Human problem is not environmental. Human problem is not economy. Human problem is not education. Human problem is sin. The filthiness of human heart. The first Man sinned, I say he sinned, in the best possible environment, in paradise itself. And we read in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, this is the assessment of God concerning human heart. Every inclination of the thoughts of man's heart is only evil all the time. The very fountain, the very center of our personality, according to the Bible, is evil. And therefore, the stream is evil. Man's heart is evil, therefore, his Actions are only evil continually. The Pharisees thought uncleanness came from outside of man. Uncleanness, environmental. So they washed themselves many times a day to keep them clean. The Essene community at Qumran also kept themselves pure by ritual washings. And many of us visited their water pools that have been uncovered at Qumran. But Jesus said this, nothing outside a man can make a man unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Heart, Jeremiah said, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Or listen to Jesus, for from within out of men's hearts come, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, Greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, 
envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. And even now when you listen to my voice, you may feel filth coming out of your heart. You can be in a church and think filth and visualize filth. Stained glass windows will not help it. So the biggest and most important question is, how can a man be pure in his heart? Clean of all filth. How can he be, in other words, single-hearted, not double-minded? How can man be pure in his imagination, thoughts, words, in his decision-making, and in his desires? How can man think God's thoughts? How can man will God's will? And how can man desire what God desires? How can man hate what God hates? How can man love what God loves? How can man think what God thinks? And how can man will what God wills? The truth is man cannot reform himself. We can now buy self-cleaning oven. But let me tell you, man cannot reform himself. He cannot self-clean and make himself pure in the center of his being. People have tried asceticism. We have monks. They tried going away from the world, beating their bodies castrating themselves, tried celibacy, tried fasting, tried prayers. They tried all kinds of things, but let me tell you, asceticism is unbiblical. Besides, it will not result in bringing about purity of heart. So the point, first point we must make is this. God must do it. God alone is able to make this rotten man pure in his imagination, in his thoughts, in his words, in his deeds, in his desires. God is able to do it. The highest blessing imaginable for man is the privilege of seeing God face to face and rejoice forever with inexpressible joy and satisfaction. But the requirement for this visio day is total purity of heart, which only God is able to perform for us. Because the scripture declares, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Turn with me to Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? 
who may stand in his holy place. The question is, who is able to fellowship with God? Who is able to see God? Who is able to be with God? Who is able to enjoy his company? The answer is he who has clean hands. Speaking about actions. And what a pure heart. In other words, unless the fountain head is cleansed and is made pure, the hands will not do what is right. Thoughts and actions of an individual must be pure in order that he or she may enjoy the fellowship of a holy God. Psalm 73 and verse 1 says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. I said, God must do it. And let me tell you, God has a plan to deal with this terrible sin problem. And St. Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then he tells us, For God chose us in him before the creation of the world that this is the purpose that we should be what? Holy and blameless in his sight. It is a plan to save us, to make us holy in thought, in word, and deed. Or listen to St. Paul in Romans 8. He says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. God's plan is to make us like his own son, Jesus Christ. That's his purpose. To be pure in heart is to be like Jesus Christ. Nothing less. Or listen to St. Paul. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all to accomplish this purpose of cleaning our hearts and making it pure. Angel says this, his name is Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. It is sin that makes us filthy. And salvation is salvation from sins. In him we have redemption, Paul says. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of God's grace, which he lavished on us. There is no self-cleaning for man. But praise be to God, there is God cleaning. And God has sent us a Savior who 
the writer to the Hebrews tells us, having provided purification for sins, he is seated on the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Christ Jesus came according to God's eternal plan and provided purification for sins by his death on the cross for sinners' behalf. And he ascended and he is seated on the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Let me say there is no other way to make a filthy human heart clean. No other way. There is no other savior. There is no one who is able to do this but the Lord Jesus Christ. And God accomplishes this first by giving us a new nature. And that new nature is given to us as God supernaturally effects regeneration of sinners. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Ephesians 4.24 says, Put on the new self. Created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. He gives us a new nature. A new self. Secondly, God causes us to be united to Jesus Christ by faith. In Acts 15 and verse 9 we read, God purified the hearts of the Gentiles by faith in Jesus Christ. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. And in Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, we read, But now where righteousness from God apart from law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. First, we are given new life, a new nature, and everyone who is born of God will believe in Jesus Christ and be justified. Thirdly, the Bible speaks about the sprinkling of Christ's blood upon us and upon our consciences, making us clean. The book of Hebrews. Turn with me in chapter 9, 13 and 14, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences, cleanse our consciences 
a defiled conscience. Praise be to God. God applies the benefit of the blood of Jesus Christ upon our consciences. And it is cleansed. Hallelujah. It is cleansed. If you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not only that, there is an ongoing work God's Spirit does in us. It's called sanctification, making us more and more and more and more holy until we come to be conformed to the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so St. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 speaks about this progressive sanctification. And we who with unveiled faces, 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory or contemplate the Lord's glory. In other words, it's speaking about a Christian who is occupied with Jesus Christ, who is looking into the word of God and see Christ in all his glory and grandeur. And what happens to such a person? They are being transformed to his likeness. As we look upon our Lord Jesus Christ, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Ongoing transformation of our heart. We increasingly want to think God's thoughts, love God's ways, will God's will. We increasingly are led to hate that which God hates. Is that true of you? Or in Ephesians 5, verse 26, we read, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. For what purpose? Ephesians 1, 4 says, God's purpose is to make us holy and blameless, and that is being accomplished by his Son. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her with the washing of water by the word and to present her to himself, a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It is now being accomplished in God's people. They are being washed by the word of God. Even as you are listening to my preaching, 
you are being washed and you are being cleansed. Now, if my preaching is unintelligible to you, if it is like a foreign language to you, then you are not a Christian. You are not at all born of God. You have no new nature. And my counsel to you is that you cry out to God. Oh God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Cleanse my heart, O oh Lord. The very imagination of me, my thoughts are evil continually. Have mercy upon me. Seek the Lord. And may he perform the miracle of regeneration in your life. That he may grant you a new nature. So I said, God must do it. And God does it. He and he alone regenerates. He and he alone justifies us. But let me tell you, such people who are regenerated and justified, are 100% active in their sanctification. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 13 says this, Make every effort to live in peace and to be holy. Make every effort. Let me tell you justification is God's act. Regeneration is God's act. But sanctification is a joint venture. God and man engaged in this activity of cleansing. Make every effort to be holy. For without holiness, it says, no one is able to see God. Or listen to St. Peter in First Peter 1 and verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Oh yes, it is God who caused us to be willing to obey. And because of that, we do obey. And let me tell you, every time we obey, we are contributing to our sanctification. A Christian is not a passive person saying, let God do it. A Christian is an active person. And he obeys God. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, where this idea of joint venture is made known. Verse 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your what? Salvation with fear and trembling. That's your part. And now he says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. That's God's part. Isn't that true? We love him because he first loved us. If you love God and keep his commandments, it is because he has first loved you. He caused us to will and to do God's good pleasure. 
And so the church is continually working on her bridal garment. Have you ever seen a bride trying to make her bridal garment dirty? Oh no. Her garment is bright and clean. And it is described as the righteous acts of the saints. Are you engaged in the preparation of your bridal garment? By obeying God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. 1 John 3 and verse 3. We read, everyone who has this hope in him. That is the blessed hope of the church. The coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Everyone who has this hope in him says purifies himself. And what is the standard? Just as he is pure. We don't lower the standard for Americans. Have you heard about the idea, oh you just receive him as Savior. You don't have to be holy you don't have to receive him as Lord. You don't have to obey him or anything, but receive him as Savior. It will be all right. See, everything is nowadays discounted, especially the gospel. Such people are filled with delusion. Everyone who has this hope in him, what purifies himself just as he is pure. Or Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. And let me read to you from verse 5. Colossians 3 verse 5. It says what? Put to death therefore. Mortify. Kill. The strong language. Kill. Mortify. Identify your sin and kill it. In other words. Don't nurse it. No don't cherish it. Kill it. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Kill it. And then Romans 8 and verse 13 tells us, gives us the power that we have to have to do this killing business. Romans 8 and verse 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We are actively engaged. And God is also 100% engaged. He has given us the Holy Spirit who gives us the prescription and the power. He causes us also the, to have the desire to wield the power of the Spirit, to bring about utter destruction, death of these evil desires, thus bringing about purity of heart. So God does it, man does it, and now thirdly, what is the promise? The promise is this, they will what? See God. That's, that's a disappointment for a lot of people. 
It doesn't say you will get a Maserati. You will get a palace. Streets paved with gold. And all these temporal blessings. A lot of people become Christians in order to get temporal blessings. That itself shows filthiness of heart. You don't receive Jesus Christ in order to get some temporal blessings. The blessing that is promised to us, the highest blessing promised to a Christian in the entire Bible is this. They will be see God. Be ye holy, for I am holy, because God is holy. No one who is unholy can see him or fellowship with him. And yet the Bible says in Revelation 1 verse 7, every eye shall see him. In some way, every eye shall see him. But many shall see him only as judge. And therefore will not enjoy fellowship with him, which is the summum bonum. They shall hear from him, depart from me, you evildoers. They shall hear from him, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's no blessing, is it? Only those who are pure in heart will see him and enjoy fellowship with him forever. They shall be told, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Come, they shall be told, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your master's happiness. They shall be invited into, begin to enjoy in the fullest measure every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms with which we are blessed in Jesus Christ. Such people will see him. God's people will see him and the prayer of Jesus in the 17th chapter of John, verse 24, will be fulfilled at that time. And this is his prayer. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and see my glory. And St. John tells us in 1 John 3, but we know that when he appears, we shall be what like him for we shall see him as he is. For in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Or Paul says, for our citizenship is in heaven, from where we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies conformable to his glorious body. That's all preparation. Let me tell you, in this changed body, in this glorious body, in this sinless body, we shall see our Lord Jesus Christ and we shall gaze at his glory. He shall be made fully compatible with the holiness of God to enjoy this eternal fellowship with God. 
Then shall the prophecy of Isaiah shall be fulfilled. Isaiah 33 and verse 17 we read, Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. At Sinai the people said to Moses, Do not have God speak to us or we will die. <laughs> Let me tell you, sinners cannot see God and live. But one day we will see him and hear him and will not die or be afraid. But will rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Because in his presence there is fullness of joy. And on his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. No wonder David said this. In 27th Psalm and verse 4, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek after. And what is that? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Is that what you are seeking and desiring and purposing? Singleness of heart. Holiness is to will one thing. Purity is to will one thing. And what is that one thing? To see God. And the book of Revelation tells us in so many words, in his presence nothing impure will come in. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you don't believe me, Read the book of Revelation. But let me read to you the 22nd chapter of Revelation beginning with verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. Sin is totally dealt with. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. And now they will see his face. They will see his face. And his name will be on their foreheads. There it is. The highest blessing offered to us. Man is created for this purpose. Sin messed it up. And God sent his son to deal with it. And it is dealt with. And being dealt with. And one day we shall be perfectly qualified. With a glorious body. Sinless body. And we'll be brought to the very presence of God and we will see him. And that will be joy. Unspeakable. Hallelujah. Even now, we who are being sanctified and we who purify our souls, even as he is pure, even now we experience a certain degree of the vision of God by faith that causes our hearts to rejoice. Let me tell you that. That's why St. Peter said this in 1 Peter 1 and verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. To the degree by faith we are enabled to see this God, we also rejoice even now. The spirit of the living God 
even now dwells in us. He causes us to love Jesus and experience a vision of him who is invisible. The Bible says Enoch walked with him. Noah walked with him. Abraham walked with him. Moses followed him because he saw him who was invisible. I say even now in a measure people of God are enabled to see him and are filled with motivation to love God. We live by faith. By faith we see him. And are motivated to desire greater holiness and hate sin. Even now we are enabled to hate what Christ hates. To love what Christ loves. Has not Jesus told us this? If anyone loves me he will obey my teaching. My father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Father and the Son dwelling with me. What a party! What a blessing we experience, those who love God even now. And what is the conclusion of all this? Let me tell you. Only the pure in heart will see God. And seeing God is the mother of all blessings. So I must ask some questions to you. First of all, I must ask if what I am saying is foreign to you, then your heart is completely unclean and must cry out to God that he may grant you new nature. But if you are a person born of God, let me ask you questions. First, do you pray for purity of heart? Of course, I know we pray for getting good grades and a good job and a good wife and a good many, many good things. My question is not that. Do you pray for a clean heart? Because that's what David did. Psalm 51 and verse 10, he prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God. God must do it, and he will do it. Hallelujah. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. I ask you to pray to God today, O God, create in me a clean heart. Number two, do you examine your life? In order to identify sins. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 5 tells us to get rid of the old yeast. Look around in the house. Find the old yeast of malice and wickedness. So that you can take it and throw it away. It's important we do that. To kill it. Not to nurse it. By the Holy Spirit. Destroy it. Thirdly. Do you ask God. To do the examination of your heart. 139 the psalm. Beginning with verse 23. Search me O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. The idea is. O oh Lord help me to see it. And help me to get rid of it. 
and lead me in the way everlasting. Next, do you seek holy fellowship? If you want to be holy, determined to fellowship with people who have the same desire to be holy. Proverbs 13 and verse 20 tells us, he who walks with the wise grows wise. Number four or five, pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit daily. We just read Romans 8, 13 and 14, by the Spirit to put to death the misdeeds of the body. We need Spirit's prescription and Spirit's power. And we must pray daily, oh God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Next, do you love the word of God and obey it? David Chilton was a reformed Christian, a PhD from Westminster Seminary. He had a heart attack at 42. And he asked the doctor, how long is he going to live? He expected the doctor to say many years. Instead, the doctor said two or three years. And all of a sudden, he stopped reading everything else. He started to spend most of his time reading the book. The book. Nothing else will give you hope. The book. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 3, You are clean. Because the word that I have spoken. Do you read the word of God? And as you read it, you are being bathed and cleansed. Ephesians 5 verse 26, Christ sanctifies us by the washing of water by the word. Do you love the word of God? Do you take the book again and again and again to read it, to love it, to obey it? then you are being made holy, being prepared for that day when you die to see him. And then you will long for it, desire it. Next, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 22, avoid even the appearance of evil. Not only we must examine and see evil and get rid of it, but avoid the very appearance of evil. A married man came to me the other day and said, can I get a room? He needs a place to live. With a woman who is divorced and works in his company, how do you like that? I said, don't do it. Avoid the very appearance of it, isn't it? Do not make provision for the flesh. Finally, let me tell you, do all to the glory of God. Ask the question, does this course of action, how does this course of action will bring honor to my God? And if the answer is not clear, don't do it. Ask that question. We must do all things, whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. Soon you will receive a letter from the celestial city. The postman will bring it to you. And if you are active in securing a pure heart in your life, this letter will not terrorize you. It will give you joy. You will cross the 
river Jordan easily. It shall be a highway for you. St. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. To die is not a loss but a gain. We all are nearing our destination daily. Soon we shall be home. What rest. What joy. What benediction. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to seek holiness, to make every effort to be holy. For without holiness, no one shall see God. But with holiness, everyone shall see God and rejoice forevermore.